From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we chat to amazing humans about all aspects of health and well-being so that you can live a happier and healthier life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebulagin. What does a holistic approach to post-breast cancer treatment look like? And how can we reduce our risk of cancer in the first place? These are the questions Dr. Anne Nguyen answers. Not only is she a GP, she's a surgical assistant to a breast cancer surgeon and coordinates the Breast Cancer Survivorship Program at Specialist Breast Cancer Surgery in Melbourne. On today's episode, speaking with our commissioning ed, Alex Davies, Dr. Nguyen talks about the kinds of support women need post-treatment, from the things that you think of, like clinical examinations and strength training recommendations, to issues you might not be aware of, like painful sex. Plus, she shares advice on the things we can do to minimise our cancer risk. Cutting stress is a major one, and why it's vital we all become breast aware. Her top tip? It's good to check your breasts when they're quietest. Intrigued? Thought so. Over to Alex and Dr. Nguyen. So hi, so I'm here with Dr. Anne Nguyen. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I was going to ask, you know, obviously there's that special interest for you in women's health and in breast cancer as well and mm-hmm. the people that it impacts. I guess yeah. what inspired that for you? What drove you to have this interest in that particular area? My interest in breast disease really stemmed from the fact that as a general practitioner, once I suspected or confirmed the diagnosis of breast cancer, I actually had very little understanding of the journey that a patient will go through when they are sent to a specialist. And, you know, once they're seen by a specialist, sometimes a GP won't see the patient for the next 12 months because they go, they're guided through a very specialised breast cancer treatment pathway. So I'll see them at the other end once their treatment's completed and many of these women may have ongoing issues with longer lasting effects of their treatment, um, such as effects from their surgery, radiotherapy, um, their ongoing endocrine therapy that they're still on for the next five or 10 years. And it was really important for me to have a better understanding of their journey and, you know, what they're still going through that so, so I could better help support them after the initial intense stages of their treatment. Do you remember a particular case or a patient perhaps or even in a moment where it sparked for you and you thought this is why I need to really need to do this you know yeah I did have a young patient she was in her 40s came to me with a breast lump that she had just found and when I examined her honestly my heart sank because I thought this is this is you know more than likely going to be cancer and I sent her off and honestly didn't see her again um, because she'd come to me in the city because um, she'd just found the lump and was really worried about it. And she went off. I didn't see her again. She, do- she didn't really have a regular GP. And then um, once I started working with Don- uh, uh, Dr Thornton, I asked her about the patient and um, she said she was doing well, um, but she, you know, it was it was difficult for me to know what that actually meant. Um, mm. And if she were to come back and see me again, how I could uh, support her because she really didn't have another GP. I didn't know her that well and I felt that this patient might have got lost. So I really needed to be able to connect with her. Yeah, because I remember obviously about the Breast Cancer Survivorship Program that you kind of coordinate and Mm -hmm. that's what I found so interesting when I was reading more about the work you do is that sense of it as a as a journey, as a pathway, it's not just a, you have treatment and things are done kind of thing. And can you tell me a bit about the program and 
really yeah. all the facets of what that involves. Well, I think it's really important even from the start that a patient uh, feels connected to their care. Because I'm part of the surgical team, I get to meet the patient before the surgery, I get to assist in their surgery and then see them for follow-up. So it really helps me gain a better understanding or a, you know, a nuanced understanding of what they've been through. I've been in their, you know, helping in their surgery, I know exactly what they've had done. Um, and then... Um, that gives me an understanding of the issues that might come up after treatment. So it's nice for the patient also too to have that continuity of care um, because they've already met me and they continue to feel connected to the same team in the post-treatment period. So I usually see the patient for follow-up about 6 to 12 months after their initial breast cancer treatment. What I do is I review the patient's annual imaging I do a clinical examination to check for the absence of recurrence of their cancer and then check in to see with them to see if there are any ongoing physical or psychosocial issues or problems. Um, so, and I work very closely alongside the breast care nurses who help to coordinate any ongoing care needs that the patient has. And that may be referral to other allied health <clears throat> team members such as physios, psychologists, Little things like um, women who need their, you know, bras fitted again, those sorts of things. And it's really important also for me to provide timely communication back to the patient's regular GP. And being a GP myself, I know how important that is. So um, I do that as well. Some of the issues that women can have after their breast cancer treatment are issues that range from effects of the surgery and their drugs for example, they may get um, lymphedema in their arm, problems with scar tissue, you know, upper limb um, chronic um, pain problems. This is where physios and occupational therapists and pain specialists are really important in helping to manage these sorts of issues. Uh, lone bone mineral density due to the fact that a lot of these women are postmenopausal. We've kind of destroyed their ovaries with uh, chemotherapy. You know, these need these women need regular screening, vitamin D checks, making sure that they're doing their weight-bearing exercise, falls prevention, that sort of thing menopausal symptoms and particularly vaginal dryness and painful intercourse can be a real issue for these women after their treatment. So mm. talking about vaginal lubricants and moisturisers, sexuality and relationship issues can be a huge thing um, for these women. So making sure they're connected with uh, psychologists that uh, deal with these specialised issues for them. And then I think a main one also is um, cardiac risk factor uh, um and risk factors and managing those. Women who are postmenopausal, their estrogen goes down and sometimes that can increase their risk of cardiac disease. So it's really important for me to go through with them their risk factors for that. So making sure their blood pressure is okay, they don't smoke, you know, they don't have diabetes, their cholesterol's low, you know, they're, they're trying to stay within a certain BMI, you know, their exercise tolerance is good, that sort of thing. Because um, overall, more, women, more people die of heart disease than they do breast cancer. Breast cancer survival is actually 94% in Australia. Wow. So you're actually more likely to die of something else other than your breast cancer so there's no point in going through all of this treatment to then you know dive a smoking related illness so it's really important for me to make sure that people are still looking after themselves after their breast cancer treatment journey because they've you know still got long lives to live most of them yeah and you said about psychosocial which obviously yeah. 
there's that massive mental well-being side of things as well you know the physical and the mental that real holistic approach right yes yeah absolutely and dealing with the overall health and well-being of the patient from both the physical psychological social point of view uh, does reduce the risk of uh, recurrence and of breast cancer um, new disease in general um, and any disease in general so often in these consultations also it's a time where I can reiterate the things that patients can do to minimise the risk of recurrence um, of new cancers and just in disease in general. So I often talk to them about things like diet, making sure that they're having five serves of vegetables a day, two serves of fruit a day, reduce saturated fats and processed food, cook at home as much as possible from vegetables grown in your own garden, which would be even better for their nutrient value. Things like exercise where the recommended um you know, the aims that people should be uh, going for are 240 minutes of exercise every week, which includes 150 minutes of aerobic exercise. So that might be half an hour, five days a week of, you know, really fast walking or running or jogging or bike riding and 90 minutes of course or strength type work. So that might be three sessions a week, half an hour sessions a week of yoga, Pilates, you know, weights, that sort of thing. I feel like there are so many things that people that we don't, things we don't think of that are strength training but that actually yes. are like you know, yoga it's the body weight kind of stuff. even I think absolutely a heavy gardening can really put you through your yes. paces your muscles yeah yeah using your own body weight to, to your advantage to you know to make yourself strong absolutely alcohol we know is a, a class one carcinogen so we say if you um, you know try not to drink at all but if you do no more than 10 standard drinks per week um, with preferably with two to three alcohol-free days a week. Um, the new guidelines don't specify how many drinks per day. It's usually in a week block, but, you know, you know, the, le- the least the better. Things like don't smoke and try to minimise stress and anxiety. Now, this is a really interesting area of ongoing research um, and there's some evidence emerging that it affects breast cancer risk and survival rates. So minimising stress and anxiety is really, really important, both for general health and for, for um, reducing cancer risk. It's a really yeah. emerging, you know, really interesting thing. Oh, look, I don't think that's probably news to a lot of people. It's just that we really didn't have firm evidence for it. But there, there is a lot of research going on in this area. So in the next five to ten years, we'll be able to point people to the evidence. Um, but, you know, it just makes sense that if you're less stressed and less anxious, you know, your body's immune system will work better. What's your kind of your personal go-to stress relief? This is really daggy, but I do things like (laughs) paint by numbers and jigsaw puzzles and, you know, colouring in and things like that. And I'll also make sure that I walk an hour a day, um, not just for uh, fitness purposes, but just to clear my head and not have to think about anything. So um, I find that really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to know, obviously, you're working with lots of people who've been through so much from a health perspective. Has it how has it changed you, I guess? Has it changed your outlook on your perspective on things? You know, having this kind of witness to people's experience, their journey through treatment and beyond. Yeah, I think it, it definitely impacts me personally. It'd be really, um, uh, you know, that's part of the job and I learn from people every day. Every patient has their own unique story to tell, I think, and each is equally important because everyone matters. And though I don't kind of take them on board and take them home with me, they're all learning experiences for me. I think it helps me put my own life into a better perspective and it helps me to be grateful 
I mean, that sounds a bit twee, but it it actually really does because I hear I hear things every day that I just think, oh my goodness, my my problems are really <laughs> not necessarily as important as I thought they were. And it also really confirms to me that you really really never know what's going on for someone, despite their outward appearance and the image that they may project. So I think um, that helps me put things into perspective when I'm in a difficult situation with someone mm. as well. Yeah, you never yeah. know what's going on behind closed doors and things. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Yep. What would you love us all to do or keep in mind when it comes to our breast health and being aware of our breast health? Well, you you actually just said it. I think the first thing is to actually be breast aware. Um, check your breasts regularly and follow the recommended screening programs. Um, in Australia, women receive an invitation to the breast screen program at age 50, which means from 50 onwards, you can get a free mammogram every two years. But women can access it from the age of 40 if they want to. They just don't get an invitation. So then it's a matter of just ringing breast screen and booking yourself into one of their clinics. Um, the other thing I'd like to say is to seek medical advice early if there's something wrong because early detection really is the key to improving um, breast cancer survival. So make sure you get checked if you're worried about something. Yeah, and I was thinking about that, about that idea of self-checking and the self-checks that we can do of our breasts. And obviously no one can see what I'm doing right now, but my natural instinct is to put my hands <laughs> on my boobs right now. <laughs> um, I think it's something that we all know we should do but sometimes and I'm guilty of this don't make time for it or don't prioritize doing it and I'd love to know your tips both for checking our breasts but also for making that a doable part of our lives and part of our routine absolutely um patients are much more likely to pick up something abnormal early by checking their own breasts regularly than me say checking them once a year um look the evidence isn't too strong that it improves survival rates but it's quick it's free it's easy it's something that everyone can do so we still encourage women to do this once a month and the best time to do this is um just after a period and if you're not menstruating then maybe picking the first or the last day of the month just as you know a a trigger to remind you to do it so it's we usually say to start by actually looking in the mirror in a room with good lighting and noticing if there's any change in the size or shape of the breast if there are any skin changes over the breast such as dimpling or puckering or a rash over the nipple a change in the position or inversion of the nipple or any spontaneous um, or bloody nipple discharge that you may notice. Um, And sometimes these changes are more noticeable when your arms are raised over um, your head or your hands are pressed down on your hips. So doing that can be quite helpful as well. And then I usually say um, if you're lying down to put one arm over behind the head and use the opposite hand to examine the breast. So use the right hand to examine the left breast and vice versa. And you'll basically use the flats of your fingers and using small circular motions. The most important thing to do is to make sure that you're covering the whole breast. So you start in the armpit um, and basically examine your breasts in strips moving up and down the breast. And then um, once you've gone down one strip, you move to the next strip and uh, go up that side um, and make sure you cover the whole breast. So that means collarbone to upper abdomen and armpit to cleavage. 
And you do also need to cover the whole depth of the breast too. So from the skin to the rib cage. So that may mean that you need to examine the breasts two or three times using light to medium to deep pressures in turn. And I say to women to try and do this lying down first and also in a sitting or standing position because the breast is obviously quite mobile and you may feel a lump lying down, which you might not feel when you're sitting up. So doing mm. so doing in, in both positions is helpful and obviously then repeating on the other side. It may take several examinations to get used to how your breasts feel. But the key is really that you're looking for anything that feels new or different to the rest of the breast tissue and not normal for you. Um, So if we're talking about lumps, you may find a more circumscribed lump with a different or harder texture um, that might not move the same way as the rest of the breast tissue. For example, it might be a bit more stuck down or stuck to the skin. But remember, lumps aren't the only sign, and there may be that there may be something wrong. And just making sure that you're looking at your breasts as well as I just described. I was going to ask as well: is it the kind of thing that you can, you know, if you're in the shower and can just do it? You know, is absolutely. that the kind of time that you, you work in yeah. in something you're doing anyway? Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent, yes. And and people do find that it's easier in the shower because the skin is wet, so it's easier to examine your breasts that way as well. But absolutely, incorporating it into your normal routine. Uh, makes it easier yeah and then obviously you mentioned about the thing we're looking for is changes or things that aren't the same for us personally and you know it doesn't necessarily I guess mean that something is wrong but it's important to get checked out is that right absolutely absolutely I think I'd like to say the message would be um, if you find a lump don't panic because it's important to remember that most lumps or bumps turn out to be not cancer And so it's much less stressful if you have this confirmed sooner rather than later. If it does turn out to be cancer, then early detection treatment, as I've said before, is proven to improve survival. So either way, getting checked out by your doctor as soon as possible is really helpful. And I wondered as well about the mens- the impact of the our menstrual cycles, because I think I was reading a bit of information online um, about, you know, that our breasts can obviously do change with our menstrual cycles. So how can we almost factor that into our approach? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it's best to do a breast examination uh, in the when your breasts are the quietest, I guess, which is <laughs> usually the first half of the cycle. So to remember that it's usually just after a period, uh, because uh, coming up to a period period, most women might notice that the breasts can become swollen or sore or more lumpy. So it makes it a little bit more harder to to kind of delineate what's normal and what's not. So trying to do the breast examination just after a period and being consistent with that is probably the best way of doing, of, of, um, doing that. Oh, thank you so much for sharing those tips. I was thinking as well just about um, I guess advocating for our health and mm. what would you say to anyone, you know, making sure that they get the best care. So if they're worried about something and they go to their GP and or yep. go to their doctor and they're not necessarily feeling like they're getting the support they need, there's no harm yep. in asking for a second opinion or a women's health specialist, is there? I absolutely 100% agree with you. If you're unhappy with the doctor's opinion or you're not sure that they're listening to your concerns, get another opinion and, you know, get a third opinion if you need to. You need to feel confident that you're being listened to, that the care you're being given is right for you. You feel um, that things have been explained properly, that you're being given the best care. So I absolutely agree. If you're not happy, just get another opinion. 
thank you dr anya and i really appreciate your time today and everyone get checking we both held our boobs at some point in this podcast <laughs> <laughs> certainly did <laughs> yeah get, get your checks in the diary everyone or in the shower or yeah absolutely and yeah um yeah go and seek advice if there's anything that yeah it doesn't feel doesn't feel right or feels different to you but yeah dr Anne, thank you so so much my, my pleasure it's been um thank you for having me we've included links to dr Anne and specialist breast cancer surgery plus the breast screen australia program and tips on breast checks in the show notes this episode of uninterrupted was hosted by alex davies and produced by me lisa gebilagen thanks for listening we'll see you next time